With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Dad, just the man I want to see. Can I roll 20 bucks? JT, I gave you your allowance yesterday. How do you go through money so fast? I guess I'm just good at it. <laughs> well, if you can't live on your allowance, maybe you should get a job. Hey, well, why don't you go to work part-time for me? Construction? I don't know, Dad. I'm really not that handy. All right. Hello and welcome to the Kentucky Dad Podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Big Blue Drew. We're at kind of a rare Sunday episode today. Normally we're late weeknights and I'm really tired, but today's the opposite. It's a beautiful Sunday, kind of mid-morning here, and um, I'm really looking forward to talking to our guest today on the Dad Podcast. If you haven't, um, before we jump into this, so make sure you go back and take a look. We've had a couple of good episodes recently. Um, Evan Crane from Kentucky Media um, kind of does a lot of different sports. He was on last time. We had um, Rob Harris, the strength coach for Kentucky's men's basketball. So we've had some really good ones. So they're all under kind of the same umbrella under Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So please make sure you're checking those out. But today we have a Cardinal bird on. So not our first one, actually. We had Mike Rutherford on as well. Um, and, and this guy doesn't know too much about me, I guess, in, in the aspect that I don't hate on the Cardinals. You, if you know me, you know that so I'm excited to have Nick Coffee on from the Card Connect. He does morning radio on 790 KRD. In our latest episode, um, our guest, I should say, on the Dad Pod, Nick. Thank you for coming on, man. I appreciate you having me, and you have uh, you have not hit the radar of like a Kentucky troll. So I, I can vouch for what you're saying. You're not somebody that uh, uh, tries to build that brand being a hater. We all kind of know where each other lies within the rivalry, you know, rooting interest and whatnot. But I can I can vouch for you. you know, I don't believe I've ever seen you once try to troll. I don't, man. I really don't try to troll. I, uh, we, we, don't have, we don't have enough time to get into all this, but my mantra has always been, um, I'm really good friends with Phil Baker. I'm sure you know Phil Baker, good, super good friend of mine. And um, so we talk about this a lot, but I don't know. I just, it's my city. I live here. I'm like a mile from the campus. So yeah, I don't, I don't want them beating Kentucky in basketball, but like, I also don't like the national narrative being riddled in bad things. So I, I enjoy the rivalry when both teams are good. Like I want to, I want to see you know, Kentucky number one, Louisville number two, you know, let's meet the, the day after Christmas and see what happens. That's always my mantra anyway. I'm with you, man. I totally, totally understand. And yes, I do know Phil. Congrats. I think Phil just became a dad, right? He did. And I was, I mean, this, this is a joke that I'll be telling a lot um, moving forward because I've already kind of sprinkled it in a few times. But yeah, I've been teasing him that, you know, he wanted an invite on the podcast that bad. Like he could have just asked me, he didn't have to go, <laughs> go through all this trouble. But yeah, he's such a modest guy, man. He's, he'll be on the podcast for sure. I had to drag him on, but he's just so modest. You know, I don't even think anyone really knew that, you know, his wife was pregnant, um, Lauren, at all. So he keeps everything under wraps. And I did talk to him. He let me know that um, beautiful baby Ella is arrived happy and healthy. So I'm happy for the Bakers, for sure. Congratulations to them, no doubt. His life uh, has changed for the better, for sure. All right, yeah, Phil will be on soon. But, man, so we always kick it off with TV Dad. So I played a little bit of mine. And, man, you, you might have to be about our age. And I think we're about the same age, Nick. I'm, I'm 33. How 32. So we're right, yeah, right in the same wheelhouse. I thought so, okay, because we've kind of crossed paths a few times just talking like high school basketball. But That's right. My, my TV Dad, um, well, maybe let me stop first. All right? Did you know who it was, Nick? Um, I recognize the show, but it's, I couldn't, I couldn't figure – 
if a lot of those did, 90s shows that we watched growing up that there were sitcoms and whatnot, like the TGIF stuff, a lot of those kind of run together. As soon as you say it, I'm going to be familiar with it. Yeah, that's fair. That, that's 100% fair. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot there because it's just been on my Hulu radar. But that was step by step. And my oh, dad yes. was Frank Lambert. And man, I, I'm just going to keep it 100% real on the dad pod. And the real reason I pricked, or one of the biggest reasons that I picked Frank was that if nothing else, man, the guy's wife was smoking hot. Like, I was I'm literally getting ready to say, wife, shout out Suzanne yeah. Summers, right? That yeah. she played the mom. Yes. And I've like just caught up. Uh, Hulu had like a nice feature over the last couple of weeks where like um, it would just have all those old 90 shows, like hanging with Mr. Cooper step by step, like all these great shows. And it would just automatically link you into their Halloween episode. So like if you just clicked in and would start playing whatever Halloween episode they had through the, the course of that show. So we started watching some step-by-step. Step. Great opening theme, too, with the theme park. I always wanted to go to the theme park. And, yeah, just big big shout-out to Frank Lambert. Blended family. You know, they did that kind of whole spiel that we've seen in the sitcom. But, man, if nothing else, the dude, uh, the dude outkicked his coverage, man. His wife is a stone-cold fox on that show. Absolutely. And, if, and how many of the kids were actually his? It was like the blended family, but didn't they each have, like, a few kids? Yeah, now that – we're talking about it. I, I pretty much was the Brady Bunch, I guess, if you just like peel the layers back here. Yeah, because I want to say he had three or four kids and she had three or four kids. And they each had a kid that was like the same exact age, right? Like there were two girls, yeah. both teenagers. One was his, one was hers. And I think it was the same way throughout. Yeah, and they were opposite too. You're right. One was like, oh, the hide. I like boys and move, like, you know, going to the And the mall. other one was like a nerd. Yeah, and the other one's like tomboy. Yeah, so you're right. So step-by-step, low-key, good show. Forgot how many. Um. Oh, and dude, I had to throw this out there. Are you ready to have your mind blown, Nick? Let's do it. So JT from Step by Step, if you're 32, man, you're probably like me. You, that, that cat was pretty cool, man, when we were about his age. We oh, yeah. JT, that dude was a cool dude. I don't think he was ever in anything other than that show now that I think about it. Okay, but I remember. okay, so you're linking with me because this was my thought process. So I'm watching the show, getting ready for the dad pod. I Google his name. This is probably early last week. Google his name. This fool got into a road rage shooting incident on the freeway after a taping of step-by-step once. Wow. That blew my mind. You have done what I've done before, which is go down the rabbit hole of people you used to watch in TV, and then you realize you've never seen them again, and you wonder what in the hell happened to them. In fact, there's probably quite a few characters within this specific show, Step by Step, because other than the parents, I can't think of anybody else within the show that I can think of that was ever in anything else. Like, who was, wasn't there like an airhead dude that played the other – I don't remember if he was like a part of the uh, – if he was a part of the family or if he was just kind of a guy. Didn't he live in like a van or always drove a van around or something? Yeah, random dude living in a van. Cody was his name. Yes, that's right, Cody. All right. What about your TV, Dad, man? Who'd you pick? Man, when you sent this to me, um, it was instant just because my, my all-time favorite show growing up was Family Matters. And, I mean, Carl Winslow, what a guy, um, was awesome. But then I got to thinking some of the best TV dads as far as the father figure, father figure role – like weren't actually dads to the characters within a show. Like I would still go Carl Winslow, but I got to thinking like, didn't George Feeney kind of raise all of us? You know what I mean? Like didn't, I mean, who was the guy in okay, Home Improvement okay. that was on the fence that we never saw his face? Like he gave like the best fatherly advice I've ever heard and he was never like a dad. So I'm going Carl Winslow, um, but there's, I, I'm glad we're on the same page with these shows because it's all kind of in that same era of 90s TV when we were kids. And there was a lot of options, but I, I would go Carl Winslow. Um, I can tell you who the worst uh, TV dad is if you want to know that. Love to. Frank Arnold. Did you ever watch The Wonder Years? Oh, dude, I'm a... <laughs> 
Man, okay. Oh, gosh, dude. All right, I'm going to have to pick whatever episode, because I've chosen Frank, because that's another Hulu one. Um, so I have to uh, – or no, uh, Jack Arnold. Is that who you said? Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jack Arnold. I don't know why I okay. said Frank. Jack I, Arnold. I was saying Frank. I, I confused oh. myself there, too, because my dad was Frank. Okay. No, so <laughs> I, that's fine, man. I just did The Wonder Years. Another great show, man. It's awesome. The show. Wonder Years show is great. I was devastated when I found out that the theme song of that show wasn't specifically a song for that show. Like, it was Ooh. just a song they chose, which is fine, but most people probably connect it with The Wonder Years. But The Wonder Years was a show that I watched religiously as a kid, and I think it was like two or three years ago. It popped up, I think, on Netflix. And it didn't age as well as I wanted it to, yet it's still a great show. But I went back and watched, and I'm like, dude, Kevin's dad is a jerk. Like, he means well. He's a hard worker. He's, he's stuck in his old ways. He's old school. Um, but, like, he was just always a jerk to Kevin. And, the little, and his older brother was such a, was such a loser, essentially. Uh, and he, was, uh, he never seemed to get the same kind of, you know, the same kind of uh, discipline that, uh, that the dad gave to, to Kevin. I, I love that show. And I think the dad being the dad kind of makes it what it is because you were always angry with him and you always sided with Kevin. But, like, I, rem- I remember going back thinking, I don't remember. When I watched on Netflix not long ago, I'm thinking to myself, when I was a kid watching, I don't remember hating his dad as much as I did. He always meant well, but he was just a jerk. He never once smiled on that show. The amount of fire in my stomach to talk about the Wonder Years, this might as be like the most engaged I've been in anything in weeks. But um, So, no, I, we went through this exact discussion. There's a specific episode that kind of dives into him as a dad, and there were so many similarities. Like, he, I think he takes Kevin to work. And his boss just rips him up and down like the whole day. I remember that, yeah. yeah, He's not used to seeing his dad that way. And then that was my big beef is I actually kind of spin it to me and my daughter think that Kevin's just a huge jerk that deserves this from his dad, actually. If you watch the show, if you watch the show and binge watch it, Kevin is just nonstop jerk. Oh, he's definitely, he's got some brattiness in him. And at times he's, you know, he's, he feels entitled and whatnot. But I'm, I'm, I, th- I think as we speak here, I'm, vi- I can imagine the episodes you're talking about because don't they just show the boss ripping him, but you can't actually hear what he's saying. But like the visual is that he's just getting undressed by his boss and Kevin couldn't believe it. And was like, he could not believe that somebody talked to his dad that way. Yeah, basically. And then, you know, we talk about this on the show a lot too, because there's, there's a lot of me in this and he's bad about they kind of have like a time-lapse thing where every day he walks in after work and he throws his briefcase and yep. he's just like, ah. and you know, then I guess the point was once Kevin did a day in the life of his dad, he was kind he of understood like, it oh more. shit, man, this, this is, the, this is a real drag. Like I kind of get it, but another, I uh, love that show too for the American history aspect of it. Um, oh, that show is like awesome. Mixing it in. But that is one, uh, we'll wrap up on the Wonder Years with this, that we have learned though in my household, that awesome show, but you can't really watch them like back to back to back. They get a little depressing. They're kind of redundant. Like you said, it's kind of Kevin. No, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Brad, and and, and that's why I kind of felt like maybe it didn't age as well as I wanted it to. Because when I watched it as a kid, I didn't binge, right? You watched it like a couple episodes a night or, you know, mm-hmm. if it was on every week. Um, yeah, but I remember when I did binge it, I, yeah, I, I would not recommend doing it that way. Maybe a couple episodes here or there. But how about Paul Pfeiffer? Remember when everybody thought he was Marilyn Manson? Do you remember that rumor? <laughs> I don't know. Man, I think may, maybe that might have just jogged a memory when you said that. But. Oh, dude, I swear. Everybody as kids, like when we were when we would watch it with my my friends um, and the internet wasn't then what it is now. So there's no way to really prove it. And he does kind of have the facial features of Marilyn Manson and it <laughs> being just like a huge rumor. It was wild. Dude, Go down that rabbit do, hole one day. We might just need to do a nineties <laughs> podcast. Sign know? me up. We're just so lucky, man. Like, and I don't know if it's just like, 
us being ourselves so we can't see it any other way but i genuinely do feel like i was born in 87 like i would have had it no other way i love got got all those great mid to late 80s movies like the karate kid flowed right into like the you know mid 90s tgif so i could lucky. not agree more because we had enough technology with like Nintendo and Sega and then PlayStation came around, but like, I'm kind of glad the internet and social media wasn't around when I was a kid. Cause it would have changed my childhood. And, you know, I'm sure everybody says this, but I wouldn't have wanted to have it any other way. Kind of like you said, we, we had a really good era. We did, man. We're lucky. All right. Well, Nick, let's, so again, I, I just, I know you, you know, kind of just, we've never really met in person. I know you're on the internet. Big reason that, you know, I invite people on, I always look at, I know you were a dad, man. One of the first things I think about when I see you pop up, you know, I'm, I know you have a daughter because I've seen pictures of her. Yeah. I know that you're a proud, outspoken dad. So that kind of earned you the invite, which just tell the listeners in a little bit, just a little bit about, you know, your radio show, how you got started and just kind of where you're at. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I'll start at the beginning. I, uh, I created a website, thecardinalconnect.com about 10 and a half years ago. And I can't believe it's been that long, but I just did the blogging thing for a long time. I did it cause I loved it. I, uh, never once ever assumed it would be, I mean, it, it wasn't even, I didn't even understand the process of how I could ever do it and make a living and it be a job. It was simply a hobby. I put everything into it at this time. Of course, I didn't have kids. My wife and I had just gotten married and, you know, it was, I think she had some issues with it early because I put so much time into it and she couldn't quite understand why I wanted to do it so much. And I just loved it. So I did it full time. Um, well, I say full time, but I was very fortunate. I worked in the software industry for about seven years or so and they were very comfortable with me doing both. They were, and that's hard. You may know, you may know that Drew, some people don't have that luxury to where they kind of have to, if their work knew how much time they were putting into the blogging and the internet side of stuff and the, you know, the part-time media gig, some, some employers may not be com comfortable with it. I was very fortunate that mine was. So I did both essentially full-time. And after a while, it started to turn into where I was making some money from it, not anything to, to quit my other job and let it be my full time income, but it was worth my while and it, and it, it built within a few years, we were credentialed to go to games and that really kind of turned some things around. I brought on a handful of part time writers that also enjoyed doing it. And in 2016, I'd been in it about, I guess, six years or so. And I wasn't getting burned out by any means, but I was getting more responsibility with my full-time job in software. And I, I guess I can back, I missed a step here. I started doing radio part-time at a station called 1450 WXVW in Southern Indiana. They gave me my first chance to be on the radio and I started podcasting. I mean, that's, I just did a weekly podcast talking about UofL sports. They invited me to take the podcast to the radio. We did it. And then I did that part-time for a while. And it was very convenient because I could do it after my full-time job. So for about three or four years, I was working in software full time, running the website and then doing radio part time. And it was it was awesome. It was a, it was a great time in my life. I was still very young. I was very fortunate. But again, around 2016, I started to get more responsibilities at work and my wife got pregnant and we were you know, we were trying to have a baby. It was obviously part of the plan to, 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 to start a family. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here because I, I, I should probably pursue what is more, you know, a, a more financially comfortable career, which is growing in my full-time job and maybe taking a step away from radio, maybe taking a step away from the blogging. And I didn't want to do that, but I was about to be a dad. So I was, I knew it's at some point by the time our daughter's born, I'm probably going to have to, to make a decision. Do I just give it up or do I take a step back? What, I, what, what am I going to do? And sure enough, right around the time my daughter was born, uh, I Heart Louisville uh, had an opening for 790 KRD 
and they were hosting, or they, were, they, were, they were hiring a host for the mornings, and I applied for that, and I thought it was a long shot, and I didn't get it, but they called me. At that point, I already knew that they had hired somebody else. Howie Lindsay got the job, and I had known that just from talking to people, and I was not super bummed because I really wasn't expecting to get the job anyway, but Kelly Carls, the program director at the time for AM Programming with iHeart, said, hey, we didn't go with you, but we really like you. We want to offer you a full-time job and we're going to give you a chance to do middays from noon to three. And at that time, the show didn't exist. They were just having national programming on. So they created a local show for me at noon. And I found out the day my daughter was born. So it was kind of like a, it was a risk, you know, because it could have been, you know, luckily I'm still doing that to this point, but I left my full-time career in software um, at least I chose to leave it at that point, the day my daughter was born and kind of embarked on doing radio full time. So when I think of her being four years old now, I always go back to whenever I kind of just jumped in and decided this is what I'm going to do to try to make a living. And again, uh, thank God I'm still able to do it right now. Who knows, you know, I'm going to enjoy it from now until the end because, uh, you know, who knows one day, maybe I'll get a phone call that they don't want to keep me around. But yeah, I, uh, I always, I always think about my professional career and connect it to my daughter just because I remember being in the hospital thinking, okay, it's probably a safer bet to just stick with my current job because I make a little more money. It's a little more stable. But if I never take a chance and try to do this full time and chase the media dream, then I'll never forgive myself. My wife was super supportive and she said, well, you know, you do what you want to do, but I know you'll never forgive yourself if you don't at least give it a shot. So that's what I did four years ago. And uh, it was a very long winded way of me kind of explaining my story. Um, and then along the way, since then, we've added another child. So I've got a five month old son, Mason, my four year old daughter is named Maya. And uh, I appreciate you inviting me on because there's no doubt I definitely tried to establish that dad brand. So I'm glad to know that you picked up on it and invited me on. Yeah, nice. And I think your story is kind of, you know, somewhat similar to what we always hear as far as people that have, have like you and have been fortunate enough to make this type of stuff their full time job is that I guess two things. One, that big leap of faith, <laughs> like everyone has to take it. And I think everybody is probably equally as scared as you. It's just a, a terrifying thing because it's such an, an uncertainty type um, industry. And then secondly, man, sure. the, the support of a, a spouse like, um, you know, usually we have the dads on. So usually it's a, a wife that's supporting the husband and I know that even me doing it part-time, I mean, like, heck, like this right now is a good example. It's Sunday afternoon at 11 a.m. My wife worked yesterday. It's like prime family time, but she knows that I love this. She knows that when I get done, I, I feel refreshed. And um, I've always, I think you were kind of putting this into words too, Nick, and I say this a lot. I've always wanted to have something where I could say this statement and it'd be true, but like, it's not like work when it's something that you love, but like, oh, I it's, finally it's, I found something it, like it's that. So Yep. And you were, I, I, I remember telling somebody that yesterday about, they were asking kind of about my situation and it's a cliche. It may sound corny to some, but it is true. When you put that much work in, it does pay off, but it doesn't feel like work because you like doing it. And that's something that, uh, you know, if you're able to say that at any point in your life, I, I'd say you're pretty blessed. For sure. All right. So we introduced a new segment a couple of weeks ago, and this one's a little bit tricky because like I said, normally we'll, it'll be um, everyone's on that same stretch of a schedule. We'll do like a late weeknight or something, but which is we'll, we'll do. Um, I'll, I'll ask you to do two. So last night and the plan for tonight. So what is the dinner plan in the household? What did you guys do last night? And do you have a plan for tonight? 
Oh, man. So yesterday, um, my wife and the kids and her sister, my sister-in-law, they went and did a very, very early Thanksgiving dinner uh, up in Indiana. And I did not get, I could not make it. Um, so they brought me back some leftovers, which was great. Um, so it was kind of like the in, in early November, I had a Thanksgiving type meal with the turkey, the stuffing, uh, and all the other fixings. So uh, that was the plan. And on Sunday, Sundays are our soup days. So my wife has got a really okay. good uh, she's got a really good Rolodex. So we either do chili, wow. vegetable soup, potato soup, chicken noodle soup, and then she has a taco soup. So every Sunday in the fall, especially November, December, um, we do a soup on soup on Sunday. I've given her the rankings. They've changed quite a bit. I think her potato wow. soup's her best soup. I think the chili, which I guess it's still kind of soup. That's, that's number two. And then the other three kind of fall in line. They're all great. She could probably hear me shouting right now, but no, it's, it's soup Sunday in the coffee house, household. Man, she's putting my wife to shame back here. I'll have to check with her and see what she's doing. But hey, actually, this brings up a good point. I'm glad we talked about dinners and, and she doesn't listen, so I'll be fine. But I got to vent about my wife a little bit on the dad podcast because so two nights in a row. So um, are you familiar with Sapporo, Nick? I know you live in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. So I, I live near Sapporo. I'm not, I don't like, I'm not a big sushi guy, but I do like the fried cream cheese, fake sushi. Love that stuff. It's delicious. Oh, so, yeah. If you're going to go sushi, I got, you got to go fried. Yeah. So I think, I guess it would have been Friday night. My daughter likes their fried rice. I'm like, let's hit happy hour. We're going to go get some sushi. Go up there, of course. Didn't plan well Friday night. Super long wait. So we audibled that plan. And the girls were just going to go. Last night, I was going to stay because my son's a psychopath. He's uh, 20 months old. <laughs> he doesn't get invites to like support on stuff right now. So I'm like, yeah, go, go. Give me, grab me a couple of those rolls that we always get. Yeah, I want two or three. I'm starving. Comes back. No. Nah. Didn't do the fried stuff. Wants me to try the like raw steak. And so, you know, I had my heart dead set on some warm, deep fried stuff. And there was just no switching to the cold stuff. So I was pretty disappointed. But at the same time, I was pretty pleased with myself. You know, I did, I did voice my disappointment, but made sure to do it in a way to where I was just disappointed, but not with her. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> totally know what you mean. So I got through that last night. And, um, but man, I'm going to have to scold her a little bit again here because. She does not have a Rolodex of soup recipes. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Do you cook much? Uh, we do. I mean, we we both kind of share the cooking loads, but we're really bad about like we just have our same eight, ten, fifteen oh, same recipes here. that we do every you know. And and that's day. okay. Let me. I'm here to tell you that's okay because we've right. for years always said we needed to add more, and we really have learned that there's a reason we stuck with like the six to eight items that we or you know the meals that we go to and it's because it's what we like so um what i run into is i don't mind cooking i'm just not nearly as good as my wife and i don't even have like a go-to dish that like you know hey if we're gonna have this let's let you make it because you're pretty good at it like i don't even have that so um i've tried to cook and my wife has i think she likes the thought of maybe me making us dinner but she and i both know deep down that if i was to prepare the meal it, it simply wouldn't be as good if she, it, it would not be as good uh, if she did. So yeah, I, I wish I could cook more, but we just know it, it, it's always best if she does it. I am man enough to admit that she's, she's a lot better on the grill than me. I don't have the really? patience for, for grilling. Like I could, I could do it better than I do, but I'm just very impatient. So usually if I'm staring at like a huge steak or something, I just want to throw that sucker on there fast. So her patience is much better. So yes, I'm, I'm man enough to admit that She's, she does the grilling in our household. Well, I, I will be honest with you, man. It, it really makes me happy to hear you admit that because until you did, I don't think that I had 
the stones to admit it. But when we grill out, I don't do it. She does. I don't tell people that it's never been public, but your courage, your bravery to admit it has led to me to say the same thing because uh, it's not even close. Well, no matter what we're having, if it's chicken, if it's dogs, it's burgers, she's much better than I am. And and I'm the one inside watching the kids, getting the kids dinners ready while she's out there grilling. So it may make me seem like less of a man, but I'm comfortable admitting it now that you are. Hey, man, it's 2020. We just got to – and I'm not going to eat a, a less well-cooked steak, you know, for pride. That's for Exactly. Sure. Put the pride aside. All right, man. Let's keep moving on. All right, we're going to hit a couple more. Then we'll kind of get into a little bit of, like, just, just your family in general, kind of how you guys are hanging in with COVID and all that. But um, so um, uh, this will be a good one because you're not really – you don't necessarily, like, work in the news, um, don't have necessarily crazy hours. So one question that I always ask all the dads that come on the dad podcast is – just in your normal everyday routine, do you say you drink more coffee, soda, or alcohol? Oh, man. Uh, daily routine, I would say I don't drink any coffee, uh, despite that being my last name. I'm not a coffee guy at all. Uh-huh. Um, so is it coffee, water, or alcohol, or is it soda? Uh, it's coffee, soda, alcohol. All right. So I, I, I don't drink soda often. Uh, I'll occasionally grab a Diet Coke. But I do drink alcohol pretty often, not during the day, not like, you know, during work hours. But um, I did go on a really strict diet midway through quarantine, which I didn't do alcohol for like three weeks, which is not something worth bragging about. But for me, I'm still happy that I was able to, to do it. But I drink, I'm, I'm usually a beer or two, especially when we've got so much football going on now. So I'll normally have a beer or two. Maybe make a maybe make a bourbon every now and then. Um, not also not opposed to drinking a white claw. So I would say of those three, I don't know if I'd say daily because it seems like when you say that you drink daily, it just <laughs> seems like you have a problem. Um, but I do. I, I think I do kind of drink alcohol daily. I was going to comment on your courage now for saying that because I know for sure I've had some guests that have wanted to say alcohol, knowing they probably should have, but kind of uh, danced around it a little bit for for what you just mentioned. So I have to word the question a little differently because daily does make it sound weird. I'll have to like splice it out over the course of like a week or a month, even though it's the exact same thing, really. It just sounds a little better. Do you drink? I do, but it's not – I don't – I'm not a big – like I'll go – like if we were hanging out, I'd have some drinks, but I don't usually like drink – hanging out by myself at, no at and, and i wish i was like you I, I didn't used to and then after a while i don't know what it is i just i don't know if it's take the edge off i don't know what it is but i'll i just and i don't need it, it's it's you know and i can't have just one beer i'll do two and it's just mm-hmm. it's senseless it's i don't necessarily do it for the taste but um, the reason i ask is because um like i went to the doctor recently um to get for like a checkup and you know they're doing blood work and they asked me like you know how often do you drink and i said like every day and I felt like such a you know an unhealthy person with a problem and I was very relieved for the nurse practitioner to say hey like it's okay if you're not waking up and hitting the bottle but yet you have a drink at least once a day it's it's probably more normal than you realize so for those that are with me and we you know I don't think we need to be as as worried about that unless you do wake up and hit the bottle every day and that's how you start your day then maybe at that point you have a problem but that's not what I do man you're, you're preaching to the masses today man uh, and I know my big problem or not problem. One of the reasons that I've always avoided that. Cause I mean, I have vices of my own, but it's like that. I know I have that behavior. Like if I did get into the habit of where like, Oh man, I'm, you know, having oh, a couple, couple beers at the house, you know, every night or whatever, it would just snowball. And I would be, I, I just don't trust myself, I guess. So I'm proud that I'm 33 and that my mother kind of cemented that in me young, um, that she knows that I have a, like a compulsive type behavior and just kind of to watch that. So Oh, there's man. So props to you because think about how many people have to learn that the hard way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, then, then calories too. So I'm a big soda guy, which I'm the only person that ever answers soda. 
What's your go-to and soda, or do you mix so it up? We've we've talked about this a lot, and this is this is huge, man. It's been a been a big year for Big Blue Drew, but um, I was always like Dr. Pepper, you know, liver die, Dr. Pepper, and I'd always kind of made jokes that I didn't like L8. I'm like, I don't like L8. It's kind of you know, it, I was always, hey, it just gets so much hype because we want to love it because it's from Kentucky, but really, it's just okay. But over the spring with COVID, I like did a ton of like fishing just around in these little communities, and they just have these shrines, Nick like dedicated to LA like oh yeah they're proud it's insane so I've really started drinking a lot more of it now I can't get enough of this stuff completely addicted do the bottles it's more why are they not sponsoring this podcast I know man I might have to actually reach out to them because god you're a great point there because this this is at least the fourth that's that's organically how it all comes together man the fourth or fifth time I've plugged them and man I'm really on I'm on a bender with those things but they're actually they're like 40 50 less calories than a regular like coke or something though so it adds up man that's what I uh that's what I when I put my head on the pillow that's what I think about but good stuff man we got a lot of good dialogue going on this one Let's take a quick break to plug some of those sponsors in, not LA that I know of, and uh, we'll come back and we'll hit some stuff on um, like just your family in general. Be right back. All right, and we are back. Kentucky Dad Podcast, Big Blue Drew, Nick Coffee, who doesn't drink coffee that we just learned. I hadn't even kind of put those <laughs> together, but like me, I don't, I don't drink any coffee either, never zero. Um, but man, so you told us a little bit, so you have Maya, Mason, and you said Maya's four and Mason's five months. That's right. And uh, they so far get along really well. But man, they're uh, they're much when Maya was his age, she was a lot smaller, um, not as bubbly. He's he's got a lot of personality for a five month old. So uh, we were worried that she'd get a little jealous. She had just our attention um, for, you know, first four years of her life. And then he comes in and she's had like a couple of moments where she can kind of get jealous of the attention mom's given the baby. But for the most part, we've been pretty fortunate because she really, and she really likes to help with him, but at times she thinks she's helping, but she's actually getting in the way, but it's so sweet that we try to, you know, just, um, we try to just tell her, you know, Hey, maybe you don't try to pick him up. You're not as strong as you think you are. You could drop him, but no, they, uh, they seem to be getting along pretty well thus far. Good. We've, we've been actually doing some fun games at that with my house because, again, I have, like, a, a older daughter, and then my son's 20 months. And so we'll go up to the older daughter, and we'll, like, overhype, like, oh, we love Sissy more. We love Sissy more. <laughs> and, I mean, he does, dude. He gets pissed, and he'll, he'll fight his way into that hug. So his jealousy is kind of starting to come on. He, he's definitely a mama's boy. So I'm sure at that age, they got to assume a four-year-old girl gets quite possessive. Oh, yeah. And, and really, she um, – so she – I think she just picked up naturally that a lot of mom's attention, especially with nursing and whatnot, is going to go towards the baby. So she just kind of started being a little more needy to me, and I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. She and I have always been close, but we've gotten a little more close now with uh, with the baby here. And really, with the – so I'm still working from home. I have not been in the iHeart building since March, and – I hate it. I would much rather love to get up and leave my house and go to work and have like a normal work week. It sounds crazy, but I just am overworking from home. But because I'm working from home and because of, you know, the pandemic, we've really been able to take advantage of my schedule at home to where I'm kind of becoming with, with my, and by the way, my daughter, she, she's significantly behind the speech wise. She's, she's, she's getting better, but she is, uh, she takes speech therapy at, at, within the public school system, and then she has a speech therapist that comes to the house um, a couple days a week. She also does occupational therapy as well. Just you know, just things. She's party trained now, but she took longer than that. She's just a little bit behind. So there's a lot of appointments I take her to to see therapists, or we have them come to our house, and that's kind of become my thing, just because I'm at home and we have the ability to do it. So it's one of those things where again, I hate working from home, but convenience-wise, it's really 
helped out with her because she's made a lot of she's actually made a lot of improvements since the pandemic as far as working on her speech and just little things like you know getting herself dressed without a whole lot of assistance uh, working on getting the shoes on and off without a lot of assistance so um, that's one of those things that because I've kind of been the guy taking her everywhere and working with her on that and because she can't go to school a lot of the speech therapy stuff that we do we do it at home and I'm not a, not a therapist by any means but I'm trying my best so with that we've kind of she and I've gotten closer not just because of the baby getting some of mom's attention that used to be hers, but also just because we're just around each other a whole lot now with, uh, with the pandemic. Let me ask you this, Nick. I know that's something that, that all fathers do, and, and I appreciate you sharing that just about some of the challenges and stuff that you guys have been working on. Um, I know that that's something that parents always do is just like share developmental milestones. Everyone's talking about whose kid has like the biggest head, weighs the most. And like, I know I'm guilty of that. Has that been hard for you at all? Um, you just mentioning that, you know, she's been behind in some of those milestones, just kind of going around and hearing that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, has it been hard to like talk about, you mean? Yeah, just like, I guess in general that I know like, like I go to work all the time and I'm like, oh, Calvin can say a hundred words, whatever. And just like that. So I'm like, just the way that you shared that, I thought that was not used to hearing um, yeah, you know, parents no. talk about that as open, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So if early on with her, so she was at four, she's four now, but she's been behind just about in every aspect throughout her, her young life. She didn't walk until she was two. Um, she recently, and I mean, within the last few months, fully became potty trained. And we have a lot of friends that have, kids really close to the age of Maya and they so early on I'll be honest it was rough just it was scary because we didn't know why and there really was no specific reason as to why she was so behind but we're seeing kids her age kids younger than her a year younger than her that were significantly ahead and it was I'll admit my wife and I we had some rough times just because she was much more willing to acknowledge it and say, Hey, it's okay. Let's get help. I think I was kind of in denial. I didn't want to be around other kids because it would just, it would make me sad and, and would make me feel like, you know, why is my kid delayed uh, with these kind of things? And I would, there was a program called first steps. That was the first program we worked with when, before she turned three years old, that was, we, she had a occupational therapist. She had a speech therapist and she had a physical therapist as well. So she had all three at the same time, a lot of work was put in and working with that program changed really how I looked at the entire thing. One, it made me realize that we're not alone. There are plenty of, plenty of kids who are a little bit behind in certain areas. And um, the physical therapist early on really was the one that we saw those milestones where she could, you know, and it, she's still behind, but the fact that she could crawl and she could get up steps and she started taking steps like those kind of things um, made, you know, again, even though she's still behind, it was such a big deal for us. And we were so proud of, of it to where I think at that point, man, I just, it, there was no, I don't have, and you could tell just from this conversation, I don't hesitate to talk about her being behind. Um, and you know, we still, it's, it's still, still work in progress. Um, she's got some sensory issues as well, but she's getting there, you know, and, and um, I, I would say I became much more comfortable talking about it once I kind of got over it myself to where, cause I was in denial, man, at first, I just didn't want to acknowledge how far behind she was, but you know, we faced it and we got some help and she's still getting it. But uh, it doesn't even, it doesn't even, it doesn't even come up in my mind anymore that like, it's something, you know, that people are, you know, some maybe, and look, if you're somebody listening and you may be uncomfortable talking about it, trust me, you can get help. And the therapist out there, the people who help kids with that stuff, man, I, uh, I get emotional thinking about how much they enjoyed helping her along the way. And they still reach out to, to, uh, you know, to see how she's doing. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something that's, it's, I, it, again, it doesn't seem weird to me because that's all I know, but I'm sure from other people have been in my situation before where you don't want to acknowledge that maybe your kid needs a little help more so than others.
Yeah, elegantly said, man. It really wasn't. And that's what I was kind of getting at because you did. You, you, spoke, you spoke to it so candid when you first started that I know that that's something that um, would be difficult, I guess, because it's usually kind of the opposite. You know, when, when parents are sharing, they're not talking about those tough times and, and things like that. And you're right. There's so many organizations of places that help kids for all kinds of stuff. And, and until you're really one of those people that need help or you hear somebody like talking about it, you would be you just, I guess, never think about how many people are really probably in need of that exact same thing. And then as far as like the, the children developmental milestone stuff too, like it's always just kind of feels like a race between us or an inch. It's just sharing stuff about your kids or whatever. But like at the end of the day, you know, none of that's really going to matter. Like who, you know, who did what first between zero to five or whatever, but it's just something that we're always like kind of keeping those tally marks on for whatever reason. Yeah. And, and when I'm, I remember, I guess it's been a couple of years, but when she first really started making progress with walking, I remember sharing a picture and just thanking the first steps program. I did it on my social media platform oh, cool. and the amount of people who reached out and said, Hey, first steps is great. We used them too. Oh, that's great. Um, my daughter's, you know, 12 now, and we really relied on first steps for her first few years. And that like that, that, that may have been really the moment for me where it really made me feel like, okay, this is productive for people to talk about it and to learn and realize that it's not that uncommon. And I think really since then, I've kind of just been, I've never hesitated to, to share our story. And, and cause I know, and, I, and, it, and it, it may feel great to know that sometimes when I bring it up, it helps others who say, okay, Hey, I think my kid, we're going to, we're going to take the same, the same steps that you guys did good stuff man good stuff what about how have you guys been dealing with like COVID so I know that it's kind of I always ask this question but it's kind of just the real world now it's not really dealing with anything abnormal but you mentioned not you know going in the studio for a long time and stuff so I'm sure there's been great elements of that getting more time with the family and stuff but what's been good what's been frustrating and how have you guys kind of dealt with the pandemic yeah so in March when it all happened um, my wife was three months away from giving birth to Mason so it it was kind of scary going through the going through that that the final few months of her pregnancy during a global pandemic. When was um, Mason born again? Five he months? was born at the beginning of June, June first. Yeah, okay, you weren't that far off because what Nick Roush was March. Yeah. So yeah, the Nick um, were right there, man. So many people had babies that that's right. The last six months, it's so hard on you guys. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It, I think my my wife because she was at higher risk being pregnant, they let her work from home. So the two of us worked from home. Maya was she she daycare is closed down for a while too we got very lucky mm -hmm. because she go she went at the time to an in-home daycare and they were allowed to stay open because they just didn't have as many kids and so we were lucky there we both were working from home but if we would have had to do it like I, I do not envy those that had to work from home and also take care of toddlers that's not for easy real, to do man. so we were fortunate with that and then um maternity leave. Why, uh, my wife, Tiffany, she was off for, I guess, about eight to 10 weeks after Mason was born. What does she and do for work, Nick? She is, uh, she works for a credit union. She is in the, she's actually the manager of the mortgage department for a, a credit union. So oh, man, uh, we're, I'm, a, I'm in consumer banking myself. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So she, uh, she's got a great gig and they were very, you know, they, they actually told her, you don't, we don't want you coming to work when she was pregnant mm -hmm. because it wasn't like she was trying to stay home. They just, sure. they no, that's it, a, that's a job that, um, you know, you'll have the, you'll have the old school people, I guess, to like one, but that I know like our mortgage people. And so that's, that's a pretty good work at home from job. Cause they're really like clerically busy. I bet. Oh dude. She's, she's talks about how it, they're one of the few industries that has really been, um, mm -hmm. much more busy with the market being yeah. what it is during the pandemic. So and if her uh, props do start to interrupt you, cause I know that that, that role specifically, um, with like all the other kind of consumer banking roles, I mean, like you're plugging in numbers, you're in the weeds. Oh yeah. Yeah. So she's been super busy. And for me, I've, I, I, 
working from home has its conveniences. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not bad to just wake up and walk downstairs. I've got a home studio set up and turn on the equipment and do the show. Like it's, it's convenient in that regard, but there's just something about getting up and starting your day and leaving the house that I just miss. And for a while they kept telling us, Hey, here's this date. We're going to discuss how we phase employees back in. Well, then there's this date and they kept pushing it back. And finally I'm having, I mean, I'm not happy that we haven't got back in the building yet, but I am happy. They finally just said, look, for the foreseeable future, we're not even going to bring it up because um, there's just, and it's a corporate decision. It's not a local decision. So, you know, folks in California are the ones who make the decisions of which buildings get to open up. So it's been frustrating. I don't feel like I'm myself. I mean, I think we're making the most of it, but I just think I, I, I can do a better job at my job if I'm in um, the studio with my producer and it's an actual, just a, a, you know, a normal setting for doing live radio. But I know I'm not alone. I, I, I talk to a lot of my colleagues who are on different stations like, uh, News Radio 840 WHAS, and um, it doesn't make me feel great, but it does make me feel a little better to know that they're also going through the same thing I am, where it just kind of feels a little, just it's just harder to do it in this situation. So, um, I, unfortunately, as we sit here on November 8th, I don't know if we're, if, if, I don't see a time where, I don't see a time anytime in the future soon where we're going to be out of this situation. So I guess I just got to learn uh, to make the most of it. But I, since we're, I'm opening up about a lot of stuff, COVID hit my household. So that was an experience. And uh, it is, it's a scary situation, but in the end, um, it, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as, I, you know, you go back to March and you hear somebody maybe getting it. You, you think, okay, man, is, you know, they're going to die. Like that's how scary it was initially. We didn't have a ton of information. Well, um, my wife ended up testing positive, but she never really got sick. She just essentially lost her sense of taste and smell. So mm -hmm. we went through the quarantine where we couldn't leave the house for 14 days. Uh, I got tested. She got retested. The kids didn't get tested, but they never got sick. So, um, yeah, we've, we've the last, what, gosh, what is it? No, early November. Yeah. Since March, it's been a, it's been a hell of a eight month stretch here. Well, I'll say as far as COVID goes, I mean, it, it's, it's hitting me personally, I guess, closer than it ever has over like the last 10 days, I think. Um, so don't like, I don't want to say it's like super sad thing because I don't, I don't know her that well, but one of, one of my grandpa's good friends passed away this week. And she was like a perfect example of somebody like, sure, she was an older woman. I think she was in her early 70s, but like just not someone that would have died otherwise, you know, I mean, had some health issues. Sorry but, to hear that, man. That's so, Yeah, terrible. that was just eye-opening to me. I mean, I said, I don't know her that well, but I know it hit him tough. And then actually several people now that I work with um, were having some issues and just, you know, in and around the office. So it's, it's just kind of um, unsettling, I guess, a little bit that I feel like you going through your speech, you know, we're like we're just like so firmly in the way that we do business and the way we operate. But at the same time, the virus is as worse as it's ever been, especially. It in is, man. So just kind of weird. What scares me though, is that I couldn't believe the different things you hear from different, you know, people that are supposed to be helping us navigate through this. And what I mean is, you know, this, the health department would call and mention what the CDC says. And mm -hmm. then I would call my doctor and the doctor would tell me something kind of different. And it's just, it was, it's just a real reminder how we're kind of, you know, we're, we're kind of just learning about this stuff on the fly. You know, like one, one of those two told me I didn't even need to get tested. I just needed to kind of ride it out and see if I get symptoms. Mm -hmm. Whereas my doctor said, no, you need to get tested in a couple of days or, you know, as soon as possible. And it's, you know, I did get tested. Um, but yeah, just to, just, to, just to know that we're not all on the same page is kind of scary considering how dangerous this can be because, you know, you've got people that are seemingly healthy. They never even know they have it, yet they give it to somebody who's, old, who's older that can't fight it, and it, it could take their life. It's, it's scary stuff, no doubt. Yeah, the more we learn, I just feel like it's, 
it's just so easy just to pick holes through everything that we're trying to do to prevent it. But again, this week it kind of really opened my eyes because even the, a couple of the people that I knew that got it were, you know, were younger, um, you know, not sick people and they were ill. They felt horrible. They felt really bad. So just kind of seeing that just makes you think like, man, you know, I really do need to kind of buckle down, still take all this stuff serious and just pray that we can figure out a way to, to coast into 2021. With some, Yeah. I mean, we've been saying it for months or we've been hearing it for months, but it's true that the sooner we all just buckle down, the quicker we'd be able to get out of this. Yeah, I know. And it's having sports back has, you know, provided some normality back for me. And, um, I said from the beginning, dude, if COVID would have just started, if this thing would have just started like rolling about the, like now, like November to December of last year, instead of right into the kick-ass month of March when everything starts getting fun, that I think that we could have got a wrangle on it a lot faster because I mean, here in two, three weeks, no one's, you know, other than holiday junk, you don't really go out for anything anyway. And I think everybody would have been hyped to cancel, you know, the two thirds of the holiday stuff um, that they don't really want to be doing anyway. So I think the warmer months, man, now our country just kind of settled into the way that we're doing things. And I'm not sure how, how much we're going to be able to, to wrangle it in, especially we even had it hit home a little bit this week with, um, with Louisville football, I guess, kind yeah. of getting, getting their stuff shifted around. But I, I guess that could also be looked at as a positive um, that I guess we're kind of figuring out how to navigate and they, they've built these contingency plans in. But then I couldn't have said it better because you're right. It is, it's, it's nice that we're, we're, we're learning a little bit about, you know, it's just a given, Hey, if you're going to try to play college football during a pandemic or play any sport, you're going to have these interruptions because that's just the world that we're going to be in with the virus existing. But I will admit hand up once we get into watching football and we get into going back to restaurants occasionally, that kind of stuff, like at times you do forget that we're going through it still because the closer, you, you know, you get back to what life used to be. It's not that you're intentionally ignoring that there's a pandemic going on, but it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And sports have definitely, I think, been a blessing. I love that we have them. It was needed. But it, at times I kind of get lost and, and, you know, just forget that we're still going through it. Yeah, I know. And then again, that's kind of, I could almost argue that the other way. It's like, well, dang, is, is this a good thing that we're, we're still figuring out how to do what we want to do because our numbers and our cases are going up. But hey, it's a beautiful Sunday. I'm not stretching myself out with that. I'm going to wear my mask, socially distant, try to do my part. Uh, but man, it's just sometimes I do kind of feel like the weight of the world's on you, especially when it starts, like I said, hitting, hitting people, you know, and, and impacting your everyday life. It is life now. We just got to keep rolling forward. And I think that we will. At least we are playing sports. I know a lot of basketball news is starting, starting to come out. And I feel a lot better. I don't talk too much about sports, Nick. But from a basketball standpoint, I'm finally getting some blinders on and getting locked in now that our schedule is completed and released. I pretty much knew what it was going to look like. Um, but until it was in place, I don't know. I just still felt like it was this fictional season we're talking about. So I'm, I'm getting locked in, man. And we're really rounding that corner now for, um, for winter and hoops. Yeah, man, I cannot wait. Um, it all, I, I was on my way to Greensboro, North Carolina, for the ACC tournament whenever everything just started to like, okay, no fans for the NCAA tournament. Um, fans are still going to be in attendance for the SEC tournament and the ACC tournament. And it was just a wild – I was in a car – on a Wednesday and a Thursday. And when I left Wednesday morning, there was no real belief that this was going to impact college basketball that much. And then sure enough, if you remember the Ivy league decided they weren't going to play and, and I crushed them on my show yeah, and we said, why would you up. do this? And then Thursday I'm driving home in the evening 
and everything is good. Everything's done. You know how you have no, um, no more conference tournaments. The NCAA tournaments canceled. The NBA that night before with Rudy Gobert being taken off the floor. Like, there's there's a part of me that feels like that was ten years ago, and then also it kind of feels like it was just a few weeks ago. But here we are. Basketball is going to start, and it's going to be. There's going to be some interruptions. I, the thought of having to postpone games if one and shut down for 14 days if one person tests positive, that just seems kind of crazy. But that's the way it's going to be. And um, I think what we're going to end up seeing is like games that aren't on the schedule get played, meaning, hey, this team was going to come to town and play, but they've got they got to sit out for a couple weeks. I don't know. Calipari is, has said that they have like backup opponents ready, right? Like if they have to miss an, a game because of the opponent can't go, they got teams ready to play and they can they can travel and make it happen. So that'll be weird. It won't be anything like normal, but it could be kind of fun. Yeah, I think too. I'm, I'm hoping maybe get some cover, some games, and more of like an intimate setting. I think that would be neat. I think I think totally basketball, agree. the crowd um, not being there, I think will be more of an impact than football. Even personally, just be well. I guess it depends on what the limited crowd looks like. But just from a standpoint that I think you know, I mean, some of these games. I'm talking from a Kentucky standpoint. You know, they go on these road games, man. I mean, it is just it blows my mind sometimes every time just about how those freshmen have to immediately go on stage and and play in some of these arenas and stuff. So I think it's a huge advantage for opponents against Kentucky. So I'll be kind of anxious to see, I guess, how all that rolls into it. And I also thought in the NBA bubble, man, I don't watch a ton of NBA. I watch a lot of the bubble. And I really did think just taking out the, the huge crowd factor had those guys lock in and just play the best basketball. It was just like they, were, they had nothing they could do but kind of focus on their craft. There wasn't a lot of crowd energy and, and stuff to, to feed off of. So I thought I brought a good brand of basketball and I'm kind of convincing myself that we'll see something similar for college. Yeah. The competitiveness was, was just, it was elevated. I thought during the bubble because it's almost like they're at an AU tournament. They're not leaving. They're not going anywhere. They're playing, you know, not multiple games in the same day, like you see in an AU tournament, but it was just different. And there's some guys that I think you can just tell, and it goes both ways. Some guys that are superstars, man, they feed off a crowd and they're, they're going nuts because there's, you know, 25,000 in the arena. And some guys, like, you know, I'm a big Pacers fan. TJ Warren was a different person in the bubble with no fans. Like, he showed he can be a star when there's no fans there. Like, and again, as somebody who watches the Pacers more than most, he, I can tell you, he didn't just get hot. He became a different player. And I think it was because he just was, was, was playing ball. He wasn't worried about the crowd or, you know, nerves or anything like that. And I think in college basketball, we're going to see some of that as well. Guys that maybe you, you, you come out of nowhere and surprise you because we all know you play basketball as well. There are guys that in practice, man, they can, they can play, man. And you get into a game, real situation with some fans, with some pressure, and they just – they can't do it. And I, that's one of the aspects I'm looking forward to seeing is there's going to be some players, I think, that, that kind of surprise us, some positively, but then maybe some negatively. Maybe others won't necessarily step up because they need the crowd to feed off of, and it really won't be there. Yeah, and, and from week to week, you'll just never know, too. Like you mentioned, there's going to be interruptions for this and that. But one thing from a winter sport aspect, I guess, is they kind of know what they're getting into. So – you know, you'd think they'd be super familiar with all the protocols and kind of knowing that, you know, things could get changed and, and those plans are in place. But it would be weird. It's going to be weird. But I'm excited for, for sports, especially um, basketball, as we start kind of, like I said, rolling into 2021. But um, we did introduce a new segment, I believe, just last time. So I don't know if you heard the one with Evan Crane. But this one, we're about to, about to get real, Nick. Are, are you ready here? Let's do it, man. Okay. So this one, I um, mean, you, you can take a moment if you need to. But so the question I'm going to ask you now is, do you remember the last time you had a good cry? Oh, man. And I'll uh. let you think for a minute, and I'll say this, because I thought about how this segment's going to get kind of weird, 
because if I have to do this every week and I like have a new example, like I'm just going to become a big crybaby over like the course of a few episodes. So I think the last time I said it, I was just watching a Netflix show and it was about just a fatherly father daughter love. And that gets me every time. And since I've became a dad, like literally like a used car commercial, if they can, if they can splice in the daughter and father's love, they can sometimes get me going. So I'm not that hard. And I usually get emotional over like silly stuff like that. Like, watching D3, The Mighty Ducks, and there's a special moment or something, as opposed to like something major happens in my life. Like I, I'll, I'll save it for something real dumb, typically TV. Yeah, I think it's, it's it, the last time. So the question was, when's the last time I had a good cry, right? Uh, yeah, I, I just specified good cry. Because I cried a little bit when my son was born, which is the easy answer for me. But that was just a different kind of like, it's almost like I didn't even realize I was crying. I wasn't letting a whole lot out. I just happened to notice that I had some tears because you know my son was born but i i'm such a a wimp emotionally good and bad meaning like i'm a sap for the father-daughter stuff like you mentioned but like if i'm watching like a and i trust me i don't mean to take this in a dark place but if i'm watching like a true crime show or a documentary series and i'm a sucker for those kind of things but if i if i can pick up that it that that it's going to feature a young child being hurt or killed or abused, I, I turn it off. I can't watch it because it'll 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 bring out an emotion in me that I don't that I want to avoid. Um, but I, I think the last time I had a good cry where you're where you're crying and you realize, okay, I kind of needed this. Let's just get it out. Um, was one of the um, it was it was I was watching ESPN and I don't I get it's not it wasn't a thirty for thirty and it wasn't like an E sixty but like it was they were profiling something I think Tom Rinaldi was doing it because he's great at narrating the really sad stuff but there was a a a, a disabled child or a special needs child that got into a basketball game uh, last it, it, they you know he was like team manager and they put him in the game and he um, made a shot and then he ended up having complications from whatever illness he had and he passed away and they were just you know they dedicated the rest of the season to him so this was like pre-pandemic but I remember like obviously that's sad and it brought out an emotion but it's what I think of when you mentioned the good cry because it was the cry where I'm crying and I'm not surprised I'm crying but then I'm like okay I had some some stuff built up let's go and get this out that's that's what comes to mind to me that that one specifically good stuff man yeah I know that I'm not uh never not ashamed to get a cry in but that's like after you become a parent there's just there's just a lot of examples and man a a big one on that too since you just mentioned anytime it's about like child abuse or anything that just elicits an emotion from most dads that dad rage man and 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 you can't you cannot explain it until you go through it and that that sticks with what you just said too about just the emotions that you have when you become a you become a parent like people tell you that when you're about to become a parent and i think you kind of know yeah i guess that makes sense but you don't you don't get it until you experience it you know what i mean hundred percent. Yeah. I think that that's, that's absolutely true. You don't. And then you probably would make fun of people that if you did, you know, crying over a Ford commercial or something like, <laughs> like I would potentially do. And, and you know, that's fine. No big deal. Dads cry. Real dads cry. That, that's a good absolutely one for sure. All right, man, let's hit our dad jokes so we can wind this up. My fantasy football team has a monster game today. I'm sure my heart's going to get ripped out. I've never been quick plug here. Ten, ninth year, Super tight league, man. Ten of us from South Florida were really, really um, close, like awesome league. Only dude that's never made the freaking playoffs, bro. Nine years, only ten. Damn. Um, You're due. It's, I'm due. They all, like, it, it's so bad that we, like, we razz on each other. And they, like, have, like, separated themselves and just, like, genuinely give me pep talks. It's freaking sad. It really is. But today's the day, man. If I get a win today, I'm going to be sitting pretty. So, so that could happen. 
Um, we'll see. I'm not getting my hopes up too high. But um, I'll start with dad jokes, man. We'll wind it up. Let's see. Hopefully, I think I just got mine ready. All right. Why don't monsters ever eat ghosts? No clue. They, they taste like sheep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I never heard that. Is, that's, that's, that's a one dad joke. <laughs> All right. What do you got for us? The, the lamer, oh, the man. better. Bad dad jokes. Let's see here. I, my dad joke is not necessarily like a joke. It's more just like the dorky kind of dad, dorky dad brand. Um, let's see here. There was one. So if I see like you're active on Twitter a lot, like if you ever see like something that you, you don't, you don't really want to retweet it because you don't want people to think that you're fully endorsing it, sure. but like, it's also kind of funny. So you, you favored it where you can go back and, and, uh, and, and reference it. This is one that was recent that is not funny, but it's such a dad joke and you know, I'm heavy on the dad brand, but uh, why are no knock knock jokes about America? Why? Because freedom rings. <laughs> That's a good dad joke. That's a good one. I had, a, I had the one. Corny or the best? Yeah, oh, better, the, right? The, the lamer, the better. The more uncomfortable they make the person who hears it, the better. The cringe. Um, yes. I had two ready. My other one for today was just um that I, I I taught a wolf to meditate. Oh no, now he's in a werewolf. Oh, <laughs> Man, good stuff. Yes, Always it's, it's ended that, on some It's that good pause jokes. uncomfortable that makes him the best, right? Yeah, really. and there's so many too that I wonder. I just obviously like I just follow this account and I read them, and so many are, are kind of inappropriate that I really want to read. But I try to keep it keep it pretty family friendly on here. But but some some dad jokes can get pretty good the other way too. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really enjoyed this. I always enjoy it. I'm sorry we ran a little bit over, but um, enjoyed learning a little bit more about you as a dad. All the Cardinals aren't, aren't bad guys, and hopefully you hung around to learn that. And we'll have to um, have you catch up soon, man.